This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, it's me, the Audacity's Catherine Ryan. Starting Wednesday, I will be the Mrs. Tours Catherine Ryan. And I suppose I'm a little bit still TV's Catherine Ryan, though, you know, not a lot of time for those things lately. If I sound different, it is because I am horizontal. I've taken to my bed today. I'm very, very tired. And I don't know if that's because I've been busy at work or because I might have long COVID or because I have a newborn who doesn't want to sleep. And I've had maybe three hours of sleep maximum stretch in 16 weeks. But that should be fine because Obama only sleeps for five hours a night. And I understand how he's looking over his shoulder. There are a lot of psychos there after Obama. But uh, if he can do it, I can do it. What the hell is going on in London? I mean, Britain is a shambles right now. And it's, of course, no fault of anyone who voted Brexit. Not at all. But I mean, everything's breaking down. We've got no fuel, though we have plenty of fuel. I was speaking about this last week. I do believe it's manufactured chaos, and I've been gossiping at work. I've been, you know, testing the waters, trying to see what people's opinions are. And the general consensus seems to be this, and it's a bit of a conspiracy theory, but go with me on it. During lockdown, were we using petrol? No, we weren't because we were Zooming from home. We were doing video chats, Google Meets, and we were not going into the office for an entire 18 months. Well, it's the end of the year. New petrol orders have to go in. I assume, you know, you order it like any other product and they got to move the petrol out. So what do the petrol companies do? They go, oh my gosh, panic buy all the petrol. There isn't any and they hold some back. Although I did go to the pumps this morning. I didn't go to the pumps this morning. I drove Violet to school and I went to the Starbucks, but I could see the pumps and they were empty, like just a few cars. So they had fuel. They weren't empty. They had fuel, but the queues were not as uh, nuts as they had been in London. It's really bad in the Southeast and the Southwest and in London. I think it's better in other parts of the country, but look what else is going on in London. Insulate Britain activists attempted to block Wandsworth Bridge in South London Aha! Furious motorists weren't having any of it and did what the police should be doing all along. They just got out of their cars and like lifted people out of the way. (gasps) That's so funny. I'm watching a video of it now and don't worry, it's nonviolent. But good for these motorists. Yeah. Okay. And if you love the climate like I do and you're thinking, Catherine, you can't just peacefully drag protesters away like they are trying to save all of our lives. I get it. 
I agree with you, but it's not the fault of the commuters and you can't just sit in the middle of the road. You can't do that. I don't think that they deserve to be beaten or arrested or pepper sprayed or whatever, but it's just like when your toddler sits down in the middle of Sainsbury's, what do you do? You pick them up and you leave. These people are not allowed to block all the entrances to like Heathrow and everything else and just sit in the middle of the road. It's not safe. So good on these motorists. That was a funny video. Yeah, don't mess with Wandsworth. They will drag you out of the way non-violently. I have to, I can't stress that enough. Oh my God, that's funny. Insulate Britain. Is that what, that is climate, isn't it? Yes. And you know what? Where do these people work? Where do these Insulate Britain protesters work? Because why don't they need to be somewhere on a Monday morning? Just quit it. Everyone's trying to live their lives, get to work. They already queued for petrol. And now they have to wait for your ass sat on the motorway. Get a life. Like there must be a better way to be an activist. Ugh, four major routes in the capital have been blocked. Well, and they demand government action on home insulation for the fourth week. Wait a minute. Home insulation? I agree. British homes are way too cold. These are these people are fighting the good fight. You need forced air. You need to get rid of radiators and you need air conditioning in the winter. You heard it here first. But maybe that's bad for the climate, too. Yeah. All right. This week was a busy one. I registered with the GP, finally. Here's what I've been doing. I'm very privileged. I know that. Uh, I didn't always have this level of privilege. You guys know that when I was 25, Violet was born and things were dicey, to say the least. But now I can go to private doctors, so I do go to private doctors. And there are people who disagree with me on that. They go, you don't do that, Catherine. If you are truly an advocate of socialized health care, which I am, I'm perhaps not a socialist, socialist, though I do absolutely believe in socialized education and healthcare. Do I benefit from the private sectors in both of those areas? Yes, I do. But that's because I can't change the world in a day. And you guys talk about the NHS like it's wonderful. We never say anything about, oh, the NHS, we have to applaud the NHS. Thank you, NHS, for dealing with COVID. Oh, the NHS is so brilliant. I mean, the idea, the concept of the NHS is brilliant, yes. And the people who work for the NHS are mostly very brilliant, yes, and undervalued and underpaid. But ask yourself, the current functioning of the NHS, is that brilliant or is that straight shit? And I think you guys have like Stockholm Syndrome. You're brainwashed to think that your NHS is good. Uh, in a crisis, in an emergency, God forbid you have a terrible illness. I'm told that the NHS steps in and does a great job. But most of us, most of the time, don't have a terrible illness. And day to day, the NHS is not working for you. If you have to wait three months for a GP appointment, that's not working. And it's not free. You feel like it's free because you don't get a bill when you leave. You pay for it. You pay for it with your taxes. I pay loads of tax now. And I would be thrilled if that tax went to paying nurses and paying doctors what they're worth and making, you know, a workable NHS. But the money doesn't go there. I know that it's going to like the mistresses of the people that I didn't vote for in this government. Fine. I've dealt with that. But to register with the GP, first of all, is like pages and pages and pages and pages of paperwork because they want to make sure that I am who I say I am, 
and I live where I say I live and I'm not committing NHS fraud. Who would fucking dare? Who would come over here, falsify documents just to like queue for three months? Do you know back when I first thought I had HPV, I tried to deal with my uh, GP on that. And uh, I showed up. They're like, you can have an appointment Wednesday. I was like, great. I show up Wednesday. They're like, you idiot. Not this Wednesday. Four Wednesdays from now. And I was like, four Wednesdays from now? Well, I think I have HPV. So you're lucky I don't have a more active social life or I'd be spreading that around London for four weeks. Oh, that's fine. Spread that all around London all you want for the next four weeks. As long as you don't have COVID, that's the only thing we are trying to stop you spreading around. That's the only thing we care about. You can have your mammogram sometime in 2050 and you can have your next smear test. Like, I don't know, like whenever we find the time. The NHS as it stands right now is not working. So we moved. And I haven't seen that GP in a long time. He could be dead for all I know. I hope not. But I needed a new GP. And I've been going to private doctors. But my last appointment there for my smear was 945 pounds. Then I got a bill from the hospital that I had to pay for like needles. And like you get a separate bill with healthcare. First you pay the doctor. And then another bill comes for like the equipment that was used, like the gloves when you were there and stuff. It's all right, fine. And I just thought, well, what's going on here? I have a baby son. I don't want to be bringing him into central London for every inoculation and cough and everything he needs. I need a GP close to home. I have children. I pay tax, like be responsible, Catherine, get a fucking GP. So I find the one closest to me and I say, hi, can I please register? They're like, as soon as you fill out this Bible of info, So I take the time, I fill out the Bible of info and admin is tricky for me because I've always got, you know, 10 tabs open. I've got a million things to do. And if it's something like that, I don't really look forward to, it goes to the bottom of the list. For example, if I don't get my tour written and my podcast done, then I let you down. If I don't get different jobs done for my agency, then I let Kitty down. If I don't fill out my GP forms, then I'm only letting myself, my husband and my children down. So I choose that one. Plus, nobody's actively sick at the minute. So I didn't feel like there was a huge rush. The questions on this thing, man alive, they're like family history. Has anyone on uh, your mother's side of the family ever had a cough? ever had a cold, ever stubbed their toe, ever eaten a hot dog, ever been to Spain. It's like, holy shit. So you like write all this stuff down. um, And they want to know, are you on any medications? Did you have any surgeries? That area, as you guys know, is a long, long list for me. I got to put my tonsillectomy. I got to put my adenoidectomy. I got to put breast augmentation number one. Number two, I got to do miscarriage surgeries. I got a lot to write on that list. And I currently take just a little bit of lupus medication called hydroxychloroquine. Oh, and here's another fucking thing for the uh, pro-vaccine crowd. And I'm not saying that I'm anti-vax, but I'm also not one of these ones that's like, I love everything about it. Like, jab me up, Johnny. I'm on my fifth vaccine. It's like, chill out because the truth lies somewhere in the middle, always. I love these people who are like, ivermectin, <laughs> how stupid. People are taking ivermectin to cure their COVID. They called us sheep, but ivermectin is a medicine for sheep. Hilarious. And it's like, well, oh, guess what? One of the other medications that I take is literally ivermectin. It's not just for sheep. It can be used for humans. It can be used in a lot of different ways. Hydroxychloroquine for lupus is actually an anti-malarial medication, so... Anyway, don't get me started on smugness and medication. 
I take some medications, I write those down on the paper. I have to then produce my passport, my bank account information, proof of address, my council tax thing, just all this stuff. And all my medical history has to go on this form. And then I fill out everyone in my family, how long we've lived here, blah, 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 blah. You get the gist. And by the way, if you're wondering, Catherine, how come you can use the NHS? I have a national insurance number. I have an NHS number. I've paid tax here for over a decade. I don't know if that's the criteria, but I'm also an Irish citizen and I'm Commonwealth living in Canada. So I can live here. I can vote here. I can pay tax here. I can use the NHS here. It's all above the line. So I go back to the GP. Finally, I remember I'm taking my forms one day and I've got Fred in the pram and I think I'm going to just enjoy being a member of my neighborhood GP surgery and pop in during the walk and deliver these pages. So I go there. Guys, I've not been to a British NHS GP in a very long time. Number one, I don't really get sick. And as you know, when I do, historically, I've gone privately. Fred was born in a private hospital. Uh, I have women's doctors, gynecologists and things in a private hospital in the Portland. And those are pretty lovely places. I wouldn't call them swanky, but they are clean and they get the job done. Uh, I go into this surgery. It's the first time I've ever been inside. And it just looks like something off 24 hours in police custody with a few like uh, drawings on the wall and different advertisements you know, like be part of the vaccination nation, stuff like that. A uh, little baby drop in classes on a bulletin board stuff that, you know, decorates. It brings the color up a bit, a little bin of filthy books and toys and chairs that are encased in tape on the floor, like pretend boxes as though you were writing an exam and they spaced the chairs out so you didn't cheat on the person next to you. It was like organized like that but really grim looking basically. And then where the receptionist goes, it was just this weird wooden podium, but covered with plexiglass. I don't even know if that was to stop the spread of COVID or just to stop people abusing her because people leap over that counter. They could be very abusive towards NHS staff, which is absolutely wrong. And I don't advocate being abusive toward anyone. You know, you're in a nice place when it says, please don't abuse our staff. We won't tolerate you abusing our staff. That means everyone abuses our staff. No one's in there. I go in. No one even works there. Like no one's at the desk. And I just look around at the surroundings, feeling lucky to have long COVID because I can't smell. And then there's a little button and it says, ring this buzzer if you need attention, if you need attention, which really, uh, let's face it, is the main reason a lot of people go to the GP. They're just lonely. And that's sad too. And if we had enough money for a separate mental health service, uh, maybe take some money away from the police and make a mental health uh, squad, you know, we could solve some of those problems. But hey, I'm not in government. So I press the button. And this woman comes out. And she's like, Hi, I said, I don't have an appointment. I'm just here to give you these forms. I would like to register for your GP, your GP practice, please. She's like, Oh, let me see. I give her the forms. And she looks at them. And she's like, uh, So you have no family history, and you're not on any medication. I was like, What? I have loads of family history and I'm on medication. I've written it there. Just look, read the forms. It took me a week to fill them out. Why did I fill them out? If you're not going to look at them, I didn't say any of this. I'm like, ha ha, yeah. She looks at the form. She's like, oh, uh, wait a minute. Here in the ethnicity area, you've put white Irish and white British. 
you guys know the ethnicity area that I'm talking about. There's a little drop down menu. You have to tick one box and they always have maybe about eight ethnicities on there. There's like Caribbean, uh, there's like Eastern Asian, there's like black, uh, I don't know what the different like denotations of the things are because I always just go to white and you can be from so many places and be white like white is a construct but it just always says white Irish white British white other my friend Jen is American Uh, she has very mixed family heritage so she always puts white other but I am exclusively ethnically British and Irish so I either tick white Irish uh, or this time I ticked both. I ticked white Irish, white British, because after having been on Who Do You Think You Are and properly searching my ancestry, I am ethnically British and Irish. And I also think genetically you can't even tell the two apart. So I ticked them both. And she's like, I'm confused. Like, why did you take two ethnicities? And I was like, uh, because you can be two ethnicities. She was like, no, you can only be one. I was like, pardon? Like, this better not be a doctor, by the way. What type of like Aryan hellscape is she living in? I said, no, absolutely. Hardly anyone is one ethnicity. Actually, you can be many ethnicities. And she goes, well, where's your accent from? And I was like, don't get me started on this bitch. My accent is from Canada. I am not ethnically Canadian. How much time do you have? Because I keep hearing the NHS is quite strapped and you don't want to get into this with me. She's like, well, you have to put white other and then write Canadian. I was like, I most definitely do not because Canadians are not ethnically white. And are you talking about nationality or are you talking about ethnicity? Because nationality, I'm Canadian and Irish. Ethnically, I'm British and Irish. So this is a hill that I'm willing to die on. And she's like, well, I have to go talk to my boss. I was like, you talk to your boss. That's cool. So she goes into the back and she comes back out. She's like, my boss says it's fine. You can be ethnicity, British and Irish. I was like, oh, thanks. Thanks to your boss, um, who's probably literally Boris Johnson just sat in a desk, like hiding from the world. And then she's like, well, let me see your passport. I give her my passport. She goes, this passport's Irish. I was like, correct. She goes, well, I don't know if you can come to this GP if you're Irish. I was like, are you fucking kidding? She goes, because it's not British. Oh, the runaround. And here's the thing. I'm not complaining. She went back and asked her boss. And then in the end, she's like, everything's fine. I said, great. How soon can I book an appointment? She's like, minimum four weeks. I was like, of course. So that's just to process the registration. And then probably when I call after four weeks, they'll be like, it is only a seven month wait to see a GP. It's not that I'm complaining. It's fun for me to have these little interactions with people. Uh, It's a little bit annoying, but I'm not currently sick, so it's fine. It's baffling. I am very curious about people and what they say and do and what they stand for and how stupid they are sometimes. But what if I didn't speak English? Like, what if I was here uh, struggling to navigate a foreign language in a new country and I had a baby? What if my baby was sick? What if I was suffering from postnatal depression? Fred was with me right there. What if I was struggling to breastfeed him? What if, you know, how many women with a newborn are at the end of their fucking rope? Uh, Me. And I have every privilege imaginable. And when people treat me like that and just make my life harder, I just, the reason I get annoyed isn't because I'm a little brat and I'm spoiled and I want to whine about it. It's like, I just think about collectively what that means, like how many people are coming in and getting that type of service. 
and are being intimidated and like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't come here. I don't know uh, because my passport's Romanian or whatever it is. I don't know what the criteria is to get in. But I just feel like I pay tax so that when a mother, I was going to say young mother, <laughs> I'm not young, but when any you know person who's recently had a newborn walks into a fucking doctor's office, their lives are made easier, not harder. Of course, I know it's not the fault of the doctors or the surgeries or the receptionists. In this case, that receptionist was a moron. But I know that every practice is cash strapped. And I know that the current model, whatever they're doing with funding, doesn't work. But it blows my mind that all of this country seemed to be brainwashed to be like, the NHS is so wonderful. No, the people who work for the NHS are wonderful. The concept of the NHS is wonderful. And if you do, God forbid, get really badly sick, I think they do take care of you. But, you know, there are some big problems with it still. And it's a disgrace that you have to go into these disgusting buildings and a disgrace that you can only call between the hours of 8.30 and 10.30 and you're on hold for 45 minutes and then get hung up on. And if you manage to get through, it's like it's like being on fucking Capital Breakfast competition winner. Oh my God, I got through. Oh, sorry. You didn't answer by saying, uh, hi, GP service. I want to win 10 grand. Click. It's like, uh, it's rationing is what it is. They put fences up outside surgeries. There are cues. You shouldn't put up with this. In a compassionate, developed society, if you are sick, and again, I know it's more complicated than that. And there are people who are clogging up the cues because they have, you know, they're old and they want to have a chat or they have mental health issues. And yes, there should be a separate service for that. But like, where's the separate service for that? How come we just lock down a whole world for two years and there are teenagers who have worse mental health problems than ever? And it's like an 18 month wait to get in to see a therapist about that. It's fucked. It's fucked. We always find money for guns and bombs and war and things. Do you know, I was talking to a friend the other day who had a full hysterectomy, very young, had a hysterectomy and had all these bladder and bowel operations to rejig everything in her abdominal cavity because she had such aggressive, undiagnosed endometriosis for so long. And you know how I feel about women's health and women's issues going unnoticed and unstudied. But she was talking to me like, oh, yeah, and I had this massive emergency. And thank God, you know, the NHS really looked after me and took care of me and did this and that. And I was like, hang on. What did you just say? When you had an emergency, when you were on the ground with a burst bladder because of complications from an NHS surgery to remove your womb when you're in your early 30s, because of that emergency, the NHS looked after you. What about your whole fucking life? I'm getting I'm getting heated up. What about your whole life when you had excruciating period pain from age 15 and doctors were like, that's fine. Take a paracetamol. That's normal. Let's put you on the birth control pill. Oh, did that not work? Let's give you a shot of hormones. And they let your endometriosis due to, you know, whatever, underfunded studies or no time to properly listen to you or a negligent doctor or a combination of all those factors. They let this undiagnosed endometriosis get to the point where you now have a hysterectomy and you've had emergency surgeries, but you're like totally brainwashed and you're telling me that the NHS saved your life? Well, yeah, eventually. Ugh. 
I think the first step is to stop just, uh, you know, there's nuance in things. It's just like the vaccine. If you criticize the vaccine at all, I love vaccines. You know, they have transformed the world. And I'm really happy that there's no polio kicking around anymore. And I think that these things are progressive and they're great and they're, you know, saving lives. But you are allowed to criticize the rollout and go, but I don't like this element of how they went about things. The NHS is wonderful and it saves lots of lives. But I think we've got to stop treating it like it's this perfect system and be like, I love them. No, you guys shouldn't have to wait months and months and months for an appointment. And I can take myself out of the queue and get private care anytime I want. And not that I should have to. Not that anyone should have to, but I'm telling you from someone who's seen the difference, I've had a baby in an NHS hospital where I had to share a room with like eight crying women and there were just curtains and no one came and checked me forever. I have countless stories about girlfriends of mine who've been left in labor for four days or they just because there's no room, you know, and I love midwives. And I was reading the other day that there's this big exodus of midwives because they're not treated properly and the job is just too hard for them now because of the numbers. And that's a real shame. In the next life, I'm going to be a midwife. But then I've also been to the Lindo wing where the royal babies were born and experienced a level of care that is, and yeah, I had my baby in 19 minutes and I didn't use any of their drugs or see the consultant. That was no one's fault but my own. That's in a different podcast. But it was clean and it was lovely and it wasn't crowded. And I really think that everyone deserves that level of care. Like it's, we're talking about health care. And your hospitals are like a downtrodden school cafeteria. I feel like I'm just so sad about it. What can we do? Nothing. Lou Sanders, my very good friend, she's a comedian. She was saying to me the other day about you know, big picture things. What is going on with everything now? What's going on with all the social media shutdowns and COVID and all these rich people getting even richer and going to space and the government being so corrupt? What's going on? And Lou was, Lou is great. And she's introduced me to her healer. And she's a very uh, beautiful spirit and a calm person. And she was like, you know, don't even bother trying to figure it out. Just live a happy life, the happiest life that you can, because you can't change it. And um, that might sound defeatist. And Lou does a lot of charity work. By the way, you shouldn't be doing charity work for uh, the NHS because that's supposed to be wholly funded by the government. But again, we have to do extra charity things for them. And that's great. And for hospices and everything else that are private institutions. But uh, so you can make small changes. But big picture, I mean, how how these people making decisions don't prioritize health care and mental health care, and education. It seems like a no-brainer. And so I'm tired of just sugarcoating it and being like, it's a wonderful. I will get into a GP like one day in the next year. And I'll be seen, maybe it'll be a video call, 15 minutes, get my baby some jabs, and that'll be a beautiful day. But until then, fuck this. Let's take a short break now for me to relax and you can listen to these beautiful words from our sponsors. And when we return, I will open your letters and answer them. And if you would like to ever write me a letter, the address is telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Oh gosh, I've had a quick scan of this one. I haven't read it yet, but I can see that there's sexual assault in it. So go forward a few seconds if that's triggering for you. Otherwise, here we go. Catherine, I'm at such a loss. I need a different perspective on my whole situation. So I was at a party and my best friend's boyfriend's friend took an interest in me. So that's her best friend's boyfriend's friend. I had very little interest in him because I wasn't interested. Mm -hmm. Good reason as any, but ended up in a situation where we were chatting. I had previously been with one of his friends, so I knew I would never hook up with someone else in that group. That's very interesting. Very anti-maiden Chelsea on that show. They're very incestuous in their group. They all hook up with each other, each other's boyfriends, each other's friends. And my group growing up was just like you say, <clears throat> if one of us had a boyfriend in, in the group of his friends, we would never date anyone else from that group. Isn't that funny? Okay. Fast forward a couple of hours and a few more drinks. He tried to kiss me and I drunkenly kissed him back, but it didn't feel right. We ended up in a situation where everyone else had left and I had to sleep at his. Where are your friends? I distinctly remember telling him I was too drunk to have sex and that I didn't want to, but he did it anyway. I'm aware this is rape, but going to the police doesn't feel like an option because my entire life would be scrutinized and there wouldn't be a single part of my existence that was not affected by this. Uh, yeah, and unfortunately that's a reason why loads of people don't report sexual assault because you're not wrong. And you even see women in the media, very powerful, even celebrity women or, uh, you know, women who come out in great numbers to finally bring uh, a assault to justice of a celebrity man and their characters are totally torn apart. So, I mean, yeah, this is unfortunate, but it's something a lot of people think about. I eventually told my best friend what had happened and I felt really dismissed by her. She asked me questions like, but what would happen at our wedding if you're both there? And are you sure you said that out loud to him? which obviously really upset me. I had to look her in the eye in tears and question whether or not she believed me. Two days after I told her, she knowingly went to a party with him. I had told her that hanging out with him really upset me, but she went anyway, saying there was only one bad person in the group and that she doesn't need to be careful of all the friends. To make matters worse, she and I live together. I've taken some space, spent a few days with my parents, and told her that she upset me by going to the party with him, to which she responded, it feels like you're questioning my loyalty. I also told her that I felt I was burdening her when I told her due to her reaction. There's so much more that was said during that conversation and that would make this email far too long. So I'm not sure what the dilemma is. I just want to get your opinion because I'm being made to feel like I'm overreacting. 
We've been best friends for nearly 10 years. She's known this guy for three months. Also, another friend of his stormed out of our other friend's house calling her crazy because she wouldn't have sex with him. I just thought I'd add that for context. Wow. I mean, it sounds like a terrible group of friends, a real, a real vintage throwback of group of lads. I didn't know there were many groups of lads who don't uh, check each other. Do you know what I mean? Like one bad apple, like they've been saying lately with the police. Uh, I don't know who to credit this tweet, but I'm sure if you look for it, you can find it. A young woman tweeted um, with regards to the Metropolitan Police and the recent events and saying, oh, it's just one bad apple. We've heard that saying a lot. One bad apple. She's like, right, but they're baked into an apple pie and we don't know which one's the bad apple. And they're protected by a thick crust of, you know, government and system. Uh, God. Well, your friend is in a difficult position, I will say, because it sounds like even though I wouldn't be behaving like that as your friend, I would be livid on your behalf and I would be very loyal to you. But babes, I'm also 38. I don't know how old you guys are, but this young woman, she might even be in denial about what's happening. It was probably really hard for her to confront that her boyfriend has some very dangerous trash friends and she doesn't want to lose every element of her life, same as you don't want to lose every element of your life. You know, you are not going to the police because you've said it would be such a huge disruption for me. Well, for her, she's probably like, well, she hasn't gone to the police. So how serious is it? She doesn't want anyone to know. So what can I really say? And I don't want my social life impacted. I want to hang out with my boyfriend. She's probably asking herself like, well, what are the boundaries of what I'm allowed to say and do here? Do you know what I mean? So I completely am on your side. You deserve friends who are loyal and who don't question you when you say that you've been attacked. You know, I'm so sorry. I think you need support. And if you're not getting it from your friends, maybe think about opening up to a parent or a different friend or even calling a rape crisis center to get some advice. Because if you just push this down like it didn't happen, it'll come out in other ways. It'll come out in your other relationships or in your dreams or in your professional life or in your own mental health, you know, you do deserve aftercare and support, but it's so messy, isn't it? And so nuanced for your friend to know what to do when this is now right now for your benefit, a secret anyway, isn't it? Because you don't want people to know you've said. So I think that yes, you deserve someone who's wholly going to be on your side, but she's not really allowed to be on your side. If you get what I mean, she has to carry on like nothing happened. So it's really tough. And I don't think I'm qualified to give you maybe the best advice, except to reach out to one of these rape crisis centers and they won't go to the police and they won't do anything if you don't want them to. But you really need to just talk about that night, talk about what happened to you and figure out where to go from there. Because right now, everyone's kind of in no man's land, your friend and you. It's so tricky, isn't it? Because right now, she is being loyal by not really doing anything because you don't want to do anything official about it. So it's hard for her to know, you know, it's there's a lot of denial surrounding all this stuff. And it affects not just the person who's a survivor of it, but affects friends and family. I know what you mean. It's such a big deal, which is why gentlemen do not 
rape people. Do not let your friends rape people. And who are I don't like any part of this group of friends. Like, don't leave your friends alone in a position where they have to sleep somewhere. And don't let your guy friends be a fucking creeps in your own circles. Like, protect each other by not allowing this to go down. Not that I'm blaming anyone but him, but I mean... We got to all look out for each other. And boys, you have to look out for your guy friends as well. God, I really hope this gets sorted out. It's so, so hard. Okay. In a happier email, Catherine, my boyfriend is going to propose soon. We're both 30 and I saw him browsing engagement rings. I would prefer a civil partnership. So we are equal partners and to avoid the religious element, I'm against all religion and he's not religious. I know you decided to have a civil partnership with Bobby. So I wanted your advice. I'm planning to keep my surname. Okay, so for a start, you can have a wedding if you want, and it can be a party, and it doesn't have to be very religious, and you can still keep your surname, and you'll still be equal partners. Uh, I get what you mean about the religious element. You know, weddings obviously have a rich tradition, and they come from uh, the white virginal dress and a dad giving away his daughter to another man. Um, I get why you wouldn't like that, but you don't have to have a civil partnership to avoid some of the elements of a marriage that you don't want. And if you go too low key, you might regret not having a party um, and not doing all the pictures and getting bridesmaids and stuff. You know that you can be a feminist and still have fun and do those things if that's what you want. So I wanted to go low key and I don't regret it, but I know that a lot of people love the party and having been to other weddings, I think it's a real emotional moment when everyone stood up and you're coming down the aisle and I think it shows a lot of respect and love that your friends have dressed up and gone to the trouble of, of coming here because they love you and they want to support you in your new phase of life and they've booked babysitters or whatever. You know, that to me at other people's weddings is very emotional. Just that show of support of your friends and family and people you love and your parents might like it and whatever else. So that's my that's my bit on weddings. I personally don't like weddings, but here are your questions. Did you have an engagement ring? No. Do you wear a ring now? Equivalent of a wedding ring? Yes. Um, Bobby got me uh, just a really simple band because I stack a lot of rings for work and it's got some diamonds all around it, but it's a, a wedding band and it's gold, rose gold. Is it rose gold? Let me look at it. I really like it anyway. And I like wearing a wedding ring and I like that Bobby wears a wedding ring. I don't know why. Do you think it would still be okay to wear a white dress or not? What the? Of course, it would be okay to wear your underwear, a black dress, a Halloween costume, a mint green Valentino dress like I wore, uh, anything you want, a prom dress. It's your day. You could wear sneakers. You could wear boots. You could wear Jimmy Choo wedding heels. You can wear a veil. You can wear a tiara. I just don't think you have to wear a white dress. But if you want to wear a white dress, I mean, my advice would be, if you're going to spend a ton of money on a wedding dress, because wedding dresses are just marked up just for the fact that they're wedding dresses, and that pisses me off, just go on, you know, net-a-porter or matchesfashion.com and find the most beautiful white designer dress that you can. And it won't be a wedding dress necessarily, but it will be like thousands of pounds or hundreds of pounds at the very least. And it will be like the most gorgeously cut beautiful dress that you can find or pay a tailor to make you an amazing white dress because my problem with wedding dresses is the markup as soon as it's a wedding dress it's 10 times more expensive but yeah wear what you want 
And finally, do you call Bobby your husband? I do call Bobby my husband, uh, even though we had a civil partnership because he's my husband. I like calling him my husband. You know, I am a feminist and we are equals. But if there are elements of marriage that I want to pick and choose from and that I think apply to us and that make me feel good, then I do those and I have no shame in doing that. So I hope that you design your special day and your special union however you want and you will be equals no matter what. I always like the sound of this. It's called Bye Bye Booty Call. Catherine, I was sleeping with a guy casually for a couple of months and it became a regular weekend appointment. A dick appointment. He said he wasn't in a place mentally for a relationship and I was the same. We had incredible sex and he started spending the night and really developing a friendship. One weekend, he told me over the phone that he didn't miss me during the five days since we'd slept together and so he just didn't want to see me anymore. What? I was really sad because the sex was so good and deep down I'd started developing feelings even though I couldn't actually see myself being with him. We have very different values and beliefs. Ooh. She's from Australia, so I'm just going to go out on a limb and guess he's a massive racist. I unfollowed him on Instagram, but he keeps watching all of my stories and has twice messaged me an emoji. Ugh but won't actually engage in a conversation. I miss the sex, but I also know I want more than just fucking. I'm ready for a relationship and not with him. Any advice on a power move or witty comeback if he messages me again? I want to get the upper hand on this man who walked out of my life, but keeps turning around to keep an eye on things. Oh, man. All right. No witty comeback. The wittiest comeback is no comeback at all. Do not under any circumstances, ever message this man again. I don't care if he graduates from sending you emojis to sending a full how's you or you up or any of these, you know, amazing shows of romance that the kids are throwing around these days. Whatever he messages you, if he messages you, help, my house is on fire. Do not message this man back ever again. Do not cast your eyes upon his Instagram stories ever again. You behave as though this man is dead. And that doesn't mean you have to wish him any harm or you hate him or anything else. But he chose to walk out of your life and in a real immature way, by the way, like, oh, I realized in our five days apart, I didn't miss you. So that's done. I've said it before. Why don't you guys listen? When someone walks out of your life, you let them go. And silence is a universal language. And the most powerful thing that you can do is leave him on red. Don't message him back. You know this. You know this. And I think if you want my, I regret saying this to you because I don't want it to like rope you back in to a dalliance with this idiot. But when he said, I didn't miss you over the five days, so I don't think we should see each other anymore. I think he did miss you over the five days and he's just too much of a child to uh, communicate that to you in the proper way. So instead, you got a little piece of negging where he uh, threw it out almost as a question. I didn't miss you, so it's done. Thinking that you'd be like, oh, I don't want it to be done. You didn't miss me. That makes me so sad. You must be such an amazing guy to be so cool that you didn't even miss me. Let me suck your dick just one last time. I think that's what he was aiming for. I really do. And he's proven it by watching what you're up to. He did miss you. He does miss you. And guess what? He's going to be missing you for the rest of his life. If you go back to this, uh, man, I'll be so disappointed in you. Personally disappointed because he is emotionally stunted 
and you do deserve a real relationship with a real adult. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for your emails. You can write me one telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Thank you to those of you who have purchased my book, The Audacity. It is available from your local bookseller. I think it's cheapest on Amazon. And you can download Kindle or audiobook with 30 minutes plus of special content from my mom. That special content is effing hilarious. I, I'm never, never regretting giving my mom that space for the extra content. She is a queen. Thank you. Be empowered. Remember who you are and who you represent. Have a beautiful week. Please, someone sort out the NHS if you are in a position of power to do so. I am on tour Wednesday in Crawley, Thursday in Glasgow, Friday in Aberdeen, Saturday in Perth. I'm talking about the week right now of October 7th. I don't know what day it is. It's October 5th. Oh, it's Caitlin's birthday, my best friend in Finland. Um, yeah, my tour started. It's called Misses, and there are no tickets available in many venues. But maybe if you arrive on the day, they release production tickets. And that's true, not just with my show, but with every show. Little top tip from me to you. Be spontaneous. You'll usually get in. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com